your support for Solidarity Wyoming at patreon.com slash solidarityhouse helps us keep this content available to the public for free. So if you like it and you want the public to continue to hear it for free, please support us at patreon.com slash solidarityhouse. I judged uh, between all the different events I ended up judging. I judged, I think, seven rounds between two days. Um, Wow. Wow, I, that's I that's a, that's more than I can handle uh, judging. It, it online. wasn't on purpose. I kind of forgot that uh, if you tell a debate organizer that you are available at all these different times, that means uh, that you could be available. That means that you are available and definitely want to judge at all these different times. Yeah. So I basically gave like my two days of availability. I was like thinking they'd pick a few between them, and it's like, oh no, just like judge all of these things. So I just basically judged for. 14 hours Back, that's that's un, <laughs> unbelievable thank you for your service uh, thank you very much yeah. uh for your for your service yeah. um i am going to why is it just me online and just you we got to change the view to gallery view there we go all right <laughs> i should put my cap on to make me <laughs> look slightly more hipster there you go. There you go. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, we're here on the Solidarity House Morning Show again after a several week uh, holiday hiatus. Uh, and I don't know if we're going to keep doing this or not, but it, but this was a great excuse to get uh, Lindsay Hanlon here uh, on the live stream uh, this morning. And uh, Lindsay is a, a voice of all things um, political, cultural, and aesthetic uh, here in Wyoming uh, and is a voice that we uh, here at Solidarity House uh, listen to uh, constantly for guidance on all three uh, of those areas of life. So thanks to Lindsay, I know how to think about comic books and uh, Wyoming politics uh, and, uh, and fashion even. Um, which, as you can see, I'm not taking any kind of advice on that. Um, and Lindsay, you've got some new projects as well. Uh, I don't want to talk for yeah. you. Why don't you yeah. uh, take a minute and tell us what you've what you've been up to? Sure. Uh, so I uh, decided I had too much free time, and uh, I have been blogging and doing a TikTok, and just started a Patreon, all under the brand of the Feminist Lipstick, um, L I P S T I Q U E, because I had to be extra. Um, and it's basically a combination of a lot of my passions where I talk about makeup, I talk about politics, I talk about pop culture, and I kind of combine everything. So on my TikTok, you can see me put on my makeup while I talk about the rights of sex workers. Um, on my blog, you can see me trying to make people guess uh, which uh, palette is $80 and which palette is $2. So that we can talk about the difference between wealth or uh, the difference between cost and value uh, when it comes to things in the capitalist system. So it's just kind of a combination of all of my passions. That's great. Well, tell us about the Patreon. I know that it's new. It uh, is. We, uh, we love Patreon. Uh, I, I, I'm definitely going to uh, go visit it today and, oh, uh, and, uh, and subscribe uh, myself. Um, what, uh, what, what, what sort of work are you featuring through the Patreon? So on the Patreon, uh, you get to help decide what I'm going to be talking about, uh, which is actually really helpful to me because I'm pretty eclectic in my topic choices and it helps to have someone else helping steer me. Um, so the base level, you can help uh, vote on what I'm doing. 
on the mid-tier level, you can kind of see my works in progress. So I have about 15 Google Docs where I have half-written scripts or blog posts. Um, and you can kind of see the works in progress as they are created. And at the top tier, you actually get to uh, see an entire makeup tutorial where I'm actually like doing the like, now you use this brush, now you use this brush, but also talking about some random topic that I've chosen. Um, so probably the first one is honestly going to be about uh, the books that I've been reading uh, because I've been reading a lot of very interesting books lately and I love chatting about books. And so I'll probably be doing book reviews while putting on my makeup and teaching other people how to do the same. And these, and this is all really good stuff that you've been um, producing anyway um, for a, a long time now. Yeah. And, uh, and the, one of the things that's kind of mm -hmm. cool about Patreon, one of the uh, cool side effects, I, I think of it, or the really, it's probably it's yeah. a feature too. Um, but that is that, you know, you really can sort of consolidate your work around this uh, prioritizing uh, what's most important, um, and have that uh, link uh, to direct communication um, uh, with your fans and your 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 fan base is as eclectic as your uh, as your work. I, I think yeah. uh, I yeah. definitely constantly see different types of people clustered around uh, your posts. Well, thanks. Uh, why don't yeah. you give us the Patreon link as well, and we'll put it in the um, in our comments here uh, on the Facebook feed. Fantastic! It is uh, Patreon.com/slash/TheFeministLipstick. The feminist is it L L I P S T I Q U E. There we go. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> uh, Patreon.com. The feminine. The feminist lipstick. Yes. Uh, and we're sharing that right now. Uh, that you. link, and uh, we definitely encourage people, especially if you're listening in. Uh, in Wyoming, it's so important uh, that uh, that a that voices that are outside of the box, I think, um, be uh, part of uh, what could be and, and hopefully will become a real uh, network of grassroots uh, media. Um, and speaking of of media, I wanted to um, put up a uh, picture, a photo taken from uh, la yesterday's. Um, uh, rally by Michael uh, Como. Um, and uh, so I'm going to screen share this. And this was, this is just an amazing picture by Michael. Um, he's uh, at Michael uh, C-M-M, C-U-M-M-O, at Michael C-U-M-M-O uh, um, on Twitter. Uh, so you can subscribe there. Uh, of course, he is uh, a, a a local uh, photographer um, whose uh, work is widely seen. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do that while I'm actually while I'm doing <laughs> that. Um, you did not end up actually going yesterday. No. Uh, and uh, it was the vibe. I guess was really bad uh, yeah. for you know for anyone who doesn't want to die of COVID. Um, yeah. Uh, but what, you know, what was your, what were your kind of initial impressions of that while I share this photo? Yeah. Well, so yeah, I was originally planning to go down and I was actually going to be, uh, kind of cheeky and I was going to pass out free masks. Um, but I have a lot of underlying health conditions and I decided if, that if there's any place in Wyoming that I am likely to get COVID, it is at a rally of anti-mask protesters. Mm -hmm. So I ended up not going, but I honestly, like looking at the pictures and looking at the live streams and looking at the recaps, I was pretty upset. 
Um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, and that's why I call it, I called it a pro-COVID rally. Yeah. And, and I mean, obviously there is some irony there, but it was my way of saying that kind of, this was such a weird, dissonant, funhouse mirror, and not in a good way, <laughs> yeah. funhouse mirror kind of articulation of values. Yeah. And that's why, you know, to me, it was, you know, a, a, a pro-COVID uh, protest and the, and the civil disobedience being called for is to spread fucking yeah. COVID. Yeah, yeah. No, it's one of the things that always kind of astounds me about the far right and especially, you know, the kind of everyday people who support a lot of parts of the far right is that they get so close to the point. They get so very close to the thing that is actually wrong. And then they zoom past that to this whole other thing. So like, it's normal and good to critique your government and it's normal and good to critique, um, you know, displays of power. Like that's a good thing. Like that's something that we as leftists encourage people to do. But then they take that and apply it specifically to the health orders that are keeping us alive. And they apply it specifically to, um, you know, this idea that the only, the only time that we should ever oppress someone's bodily autonomy is if they're having an abortion. Um, you know, otherwise, like, you, we should let them do whatever they want. And so they get so very close to, honestly, some of the same points that we make, and they just go in, like, the bizarro world direction with them. And it's so frustrating um, that they get so close and then they do that. Because honestly, like, if you, if you talked to almost anyone in this crowd, I would bet you, if you ask them, do you back the blue? You know, do you believe in the in blue line? Are you pro-police? They would say yes. So this is really interesting, though. I want to cut into this yeah. for a second because some of the speakers, uh -huh. including elected officials, talked shit about the cops that were there, that were there at yeah. the rally. And, and so and, and they used anti-cop language. They used the sort of of some of the harshest language yeah. that is sometimes used by protesters on other parts of the political spectrum in reference yeah. to police. Yeah. And I think that this is such a great, yeah. <laughs> like, this is such an amazing, there's so much going on here. There's so much, there's so much rich text here. Yeah. And I know that yeah. that sounds, you know, uh, like, like elitist kind of critique -y, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but, you know, I'm thinking about that in the context mm -hmm. of also how policing in Wyoming is so political and, and, and mm -hmm. is so politicized, not by the uh, you know, not by the demand for police accountability, but by the yeah. resistance to yeah. police accountability. And yeah. also how um, I have seen cops in Laramie without masks almost all the time. Yeah. Like I have like the number of times I've seen cops without masks in public, in public places, in restaurants, yeah. uh, uh, outnumbers the times that I've seen them with masks um, um, by a huge amount. Yeah. And and so that is also part of the yeah. picture. But then here are mm -hmm. these guys, these people, these speakers talking crap to the yeah. cops who are there in riot gear, probably because uh, or partial riot gear, special yeah. riot gear, uh, partially because some person lit a fucking car on fire the day before the protest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's. I think that that gets into the cognitive dissonance of it too. And again, it's that, that very specialized thing um, where they hate the cops just during this moment, right? They hate the cops just during this part. But I'm sure if we looked at, you know, Scott Clem's Facebook, and I know if we looked at Anthony Bouchard's Facebook from this summer, because um, I've seen it, uh, there's all this 
rhetoric about how the protests are bad and, you know, these cities where the BLM protests are happening are falling to, into anarchy because they don't understand what anarchy means and all of these things. And again, that's all bad. Like all, when all of that protesting is happening, it's very, very bad. But this is righteous. This is just, um, as Scott Tom said, this is worth taking the day off work for. Right, and, right, right. And just that very selectively applied logic of it's only oppression when it's happening to us. It's only a bad thing when it's happening to us. The cops are only bad when they're keeping us from speaking. I mean, you know, when I forget the exact quote, but it was something like Clem set the mask on fire. And then, of course, like the Capitol Police put it out because it's a fire. Um, <laughs> and he's like, they don't like us setting this on fire. I didn't realize that this. the police had put out the fire. What That's, happened? I, what happened there? Let me see. I think I wrote this down. Um, so Clem then doused a disposable mask in hand sanitizer before lighting it on fire in front of the crowd, some of which threw their own masks down for kindling. Capital security, capital security, which was monitoring the entire event, quickly came over to extinguish the small fire. They don't like us burning masks, Clem said. We don't like it when they trample on our freedoms. So <laughs> it would be pain, painfully obvious to kind of point out the performative nature of oh. this, as all oh, protest yeah. is performative, certainly. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, you know, the, again, I think there's some good artifacts here um, mm -hmm. for, uh, you know, for, to really kind of sink your teeth into, wow, you know, the, what's going on here is so interesting. But it's also obviously, you know, really uh, dangerous. Yeah. Um, and it's going to result in people dying. People will get sick and die because of this protest, because mm -hmm. of these civil disobedience actions. And uh, and that brought to my mind the fact that, you know, some of these GOP leaders are giving mm. each other COVID, mm. uh, catching it at their yeah. churches and things like yeah. that. Um, you know, one guy died, you know, one, you know, uh, Representative Edwards. Died. yeah, exactly. Who, um, so I'm sorry, again. Yeah. Uh, Representative Edwards. Right. Died um, catching it, you know, probably less than Kevin Bacon separated <laughs> from Scott yeah. Clem. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and Wyoming really is a small town. Yeah. Now we have yeah. learned that Wyoming truly is a small yes. town um, yes. because all of the anti-maskers are, are giving each other COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's wild to me because I think for a, long, for a long time the rhetoric has been like, you know, people will be anti-mask until it happens to them or it happens to someone they love and then they'll come to their senses and they'll see their, the truth of their ways. And like that no. obviously hasn't happened for Clem. Like his own his own colleague and congregant, like, and I'm assuming friends, like I'm assuming if you're, you know, in the legislature together and in church together, that you're also friends. He died of it, like the day before the election. That blows and... my mind. That should actually blow everybody's <laughs> mind. Like, and that, that, that this would happen in the wake of that. Yeah. I, there's probably some Freudian slash Lacanian yeah. slash more yeah. contemporary uh, psychological, uh, psychoanalytic theory that can yeah. explain Scott Clem <laughs> having this rally in the wake of his yeah. friend dying at his, yeah. from, you know, yeah. probably Kevin Bacon or less separated yeah. uh, from, from him. There is probably some kind of psychological yeah. explanation, a, a strange yeah. projection, and again, a kind of distortion or a kind of dissonant sort of response which I, I feel like is what we see. And I, you know, I, I like to say to really oversimplify things that Wyoming is a, is a settler capitalist state and the ordinary people here, including mm -hmm. people who are not 
part of great privilege yeah. will identify with uh, a lot of these values and practices and the way they're articulated and they will bite on the, the narrative uh, so easily. And I really feel like to a large extent, that is what it, you know, is, is happening here. But I want to say, because I pointed this as I pointed this out before, and, and we, you know, showed Michael's photo, mm -hmm. um, and you said you thought 250 people. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm looking at that photo, and he, and that was when he, what he said, the the size seemed the, at yeah. the most of the time. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say that I've, I can tell you, I can name five demonstrations mm -hmm. in the last four years in Wyoming that mm -hmm. are that were bigger. Yeah. In that demonstration, yeah. including demonstrations in Laramie mm -hmm. uh, and not the capital city. Yeah. And, and, and this was slated to be a statewide thing. Mm -hmm. um, would you say that its bark is louder than its bite or what would you say about the yeah. size of, of this? I, I think so. I mean, it's always it's always tempting to say it's smaller than it is. But I think in this case, it is, in fact, that um, the there are a few very loud voices in the room and they all kind of travel in the same circles and they all are on the same message boards and you know they're all kind of echo chambering each other and the the part that worries me is that in i think in in wyoming's case there is in fact like a silent majority like there's a lot of quote-unquote moderate republicans who don't think like scott clem does but i'm not sure that if scott clem were to be the candidate for governor <laughs> they would not just hold their nose and vote for him anyway because he has an R next to his name. And so that's where the rhetoric kind of worries me. Like in addition to just the fact that they're advocating that people die, like in addition to just the general idea that they think we shouldn't have masks and they think we shouldn't have health orders and they think that herd immunity means that all the weak people just die off and then all the healthy people are left. Um, the thing that worries me is that I don't see enough other people standing up against them. I don't see enough other people from their own party, from their own communities, standing up against this rhetoric. Um, there's a lot of people who like don't want to make waves, or there's a lot of people who, you know, just want to kind of go along to get along. And I don't see a lot of, you know, like Mr. Smith goes to Washington style grand moral stands happening against what they're saying. Um, yeah. And I want to go, but I'm going to, I want to actually yeah. push that maybe a tiny step further yeah. too. Uh, one of the chairs or one of the, you know, there was a. Frank Ethorn was yeah, there. And spoke. Yeah. And initially had, was, was that who said initially that they were just there to monitor it or to watch it or something? I, I, can't I think remember it, was, because, it was someone else. There's. By so there's, the way, <laughs> by the way, Nick Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> rock the house because yeah, yeah. we are able winner. to like much of the narrative that we're drawing from yeah. here is your live tweeting of the event. So yeah. sorry, I wanted to footnote, no. <laughs> shout out to Nick. Yes. Um, and then, yeah. And, and yeah. so, and, so I, there I were one was... or two main like party officials yeah. there and yeah, they, were, think... and they spoke. Yeah. So it, it that... was a Republican party event. Yeah. I think, I think the director of the GOP, which just the way that our parties are created, the chair and the director are two different people. Um, so for um, for like the kind of party business, the chair is in charge. And then for things like, you know, setting up the caucus or whatever, the director is in charge. Um, and mm -hmm. so I think it was the director who said something along the lines of like, oh, we're just here to monitor. 
Yeah. Um, but then, uh, but ended up giving a speech. I think so. I yeah, think so either, too. Either she well, did or yeah. Ethan did. One of them did. I, you know, it's, I, I feel like, um, because let's see what happens and where people orient themselves around this, um, you know, uh, as, you know, it was billed as an unofficial yeah. event or billed as yeah. a Scott Clem event. Yeah. Um, but it really was a who's who yeah. uh, of Republican Party leadership at the event. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Republican Party itself, uh, the state Republican Party itself, has yeah. repeatedly protested uh, any kind of restrictions, any kind of public safety protocols. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, while I don't know that the party would feel comfortable endorsing the call for civil disobedience <laughs> for obvious reasons, yeah. um, I mean, it's it's really hard to figure out what membrane separates what Clem is doing. Yeah from what the rest from from the official party line yeah no it is and and i mean i think we've been seeing for the past year there's been a lot of disruption within the republican party um there's the whole thing where um they uh censured the woman behind the cowgirl run fund because she dared to think that women should just be in office no matter what party they're from um there was a lot of hubbub with the natrona county republicans and there was that whole changing of the rules at their state convention. And there's all those like Wyo Rhino posters going up all over town and all that kind of stuff. Like there's a lot of dissension in the ranks, um, but that seems to not matter come election day. And that's the part that's kind of curious to me is that there are people who will speak out about them, but then they fall back in line on voting day. And I don't know if that means that they're just more loyal to the party than they are to other things, or if they're just pragmatic, or I don't know kind of what's behind that, but. So this was among other things, an anti-governor rally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, you you know, we talk about the state of the Republican party. Mm -hmm. uh, can you t talk about the, the, uh, the, the vitriol that's been directed at this you know, to, I mean, two years ago, I would have said we have a conservative Republican yeah. governor. Yeah. Uh, and now, you know, it's it's almost as if the party itself has shifted the narrative. And this guy sound neat seems yeah. now to be a moderate Republican. Yeah. But really not a <laughs> no, moderate no, Republican. Yeah, so it, what's it, it, what's yeah. going on here? I think, honestly, uh, one of the problems is that this far right element needs an enemy. They need someone that they can blame and they need someone that they can say is in charge of all their woes. And much as I would prefer it's not the case, like the Democrats don't really fit that bill in Wyoming. Like we're getting stronger as a party, but like, it's not like you can lay any of this on us. You know, it's not like there are enough Democrats in the legislature. Well, I'm doing my best to take one for the team, as you've seen on, yes. on social media lately. Yeah. I have actually become what, everything that's wrong with. Yeah, yeah. thank you. So thank you for becoming I'm, our lightning rod of hate. I'm doing um. my best to open that Overton window for you. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Um, and so, you know, it's they can't they can't blame Democrats for this. They can't say that, you know, this is a Democratic thing or that this is, you know, the Democrats are influencing us. Like, where? <laughs> Where is that the case? And so they start eating their own. They have to create a new enemy out of what they see as the person who is still more to the left than they are, which in this case is a fairly conservative governor. Um, and now 
in their version of the Overton window, he is Bernie Sanders, basically, because he has very moderate, like, I cannot stress how moderate our health orders are compared to what other states have had and what other countries who have successfully overcome COVID um, for the time being have done. And so he has to become kind of this new figurehead for everything that is wrong and everything that makes them unhappy. And, you know, there's a very, there's a very large strain, I think, in Wyoming where like the, the Wyoming I grew up in, and this is probably like rose glasses nostalgia, but, you know, I grew up in, in a Wyoming where freedom and responsibility went hand in hand, where yes, there was a very strong libertarian streak, but also like you still took care of your neighbor and you still understood kind of the social contract and you were still willing to do your part to make Wyoming better. And I think that responsibility part has been lost over you know the last decade or so, where now it's not freedom comes with responsibility, it's freedom from responsibility. It's freedom and freedom from responsibility. And yeah, what if, uh, I mean, what if that has something to do with as the, you know, kind of carbon curtain has started to come down, mm -hmm. uh, credit Jeff Lockwood's uh, <laughs> book uh, behind the carbon curtain, uh, as that has started to come down, as the veneer has started to come down, as mm -hmm. mines are closing, as yeah. the market is shifting, and we're in this huge trouble. Yeah. Uh, and you have, you know, a lot of these coal bosses, a lot of these big, you know, these big, big uh, mines and and other um, functions, uh, you know, closing up shop, declaring bankruptcy, getting out of their environmental responsibilities, getting out mm -hmm. of their responsibilities to their workers, uh, yeah. abandoning their, uh, you know, there's a bunch of different parts of the social contract, right, yeah. <laughs> that are collapsing. Yeah. yeah. And so in the face of all of these other parts of the social contract in Wyoming collapsing, the, the notion of collective responsibility yeah. can't sustain itself yeah. because if I, uh, if I take the, the social contract seriously, then there's a lot of things going on here that would need to change. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's easier to, and, and more, uh, you know, and, and, you know, because people, for whatever reason, become very pliable ideologically, mm -hmm. uh, it's easier to just abandon that and, yeah. and to take this notion of radical responsibility that if other parties were taking it, if the other side yeah. was was taking any of that and just saying, well, we don't have to comply with something that we don't like, mm -hmm. uh, then that then that would be used as evidence of our de depravity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think I mean, I, I read probably too much dystopian fiction and watch probably too much dystopian media, but there's a strain, there's a strain, like there's a character in every, you know, zombie film who is the person who will hide the fact that they've been bitten by zombies so that they can, you know, live on as long as they can and infect as many people as they can, as long as they are okay temporarily. And I think that's the kind of mindset that a lot of these figures have of as long as I can, I'm going to live as long as I can, I'm going to use up as many resources as I can, and I'm not going to care about the effect that that might have on other people. And, you know, there's all like that, there's that person in every zombie film. And then like the, you know, the nice safe house falls and all things are bad. And I think that like, they don't, 
they don't really believe in a in an end of the world scenario where like we're all taking care of each other like you know if if all the blocks if all the houses on my block lose their power we're checking on each other you know we are you know going to each other's houses seeing if anyone has batteries seeing if everyone has candles like that is my version of the end of the world where like you're checking on everyone and you're sharing resources and their end of the world is i'm going to hold up in my house and or i'm going to take the things from everyone else's houses <laughs> that I might need for as long as the power is out. And right, right. I just I, I think they would say that they've got their churches and they've yeah. I mean or some of them would say that. I mean it's a it's yeah. again kind of a mixed I think a mm -hmm. kind of a mixed message. Um they have their you know they I think they think they still have a sense of community yeah. but the interesting thing is, is to see how how many different parts or peripheries of those communities get cast aside and cast aside and cast aside so yeah. that there are more and more instances of i don't have to care about these people these mm -hmm. are not people i have to care about these are not people i have to care about i'll care about my own kind mm -hmm. uh, my uh, you know and it becomes uh you know, tribal in the in in the anthropological sense of of you know kind of keeping you know with our very a very very narrow picture of yeah. our own people. It also, to me, reflects what I uh, you know what I have have said on social media, which is that the the Wyoming Republican Party wants to turn Wyoming into a big company town. Everything will be privatized. They want to privatize the roads. They want to privatize the towns. They want yeah. literally to privatize yeah. the towns uh, and yeah. everything privatized. And then everything can be covered by the company, you mm -hmm. know, and whatever that company is, you know, yeah. I guess as the will be the last state mining coal in the, <laughs> on the planet or yeah. something like that. And, you know, and there's and there will be this sense of, well, everything that you do, if you're going to be here, everything you do is owned. And we mm -hmm. don't owe you anything. We don't yeah. owe you anything at all. And that, I think, to me, is the ultimate vision. Mm -hmm. It is really the ultimate libertarian vision, mm -hmm. I think. Um, but it's not libertarian as in, uh, you know, frolicking happy around <laughs> in the clover, yeah. uh, but more, you know, a kind of a crypto fascist libertarianism where, uh, where there's no services yeah. uh, and nothing except what the boss gives you. Uh, yeah. And so I... I I'm sorry if that sounds a little <laughs> hyperbolic, but you went off on dystopian fiction, so yeah, I thought it yeah, was no, okay it's, it's <laughs> if I gave my version of what yeah. I think a dystopian novel about yeah. Wyoming in in 20 years, you know, is it maybe is going to look like. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think honestly, in the upcoming years, we're going to probably see towns either get privatized or die. Um, you know, the, we have I think 70% of our towns in Wyoming are less than a thousand people. And if we are cutting state budgets and if we're cutting education and we're cutting all these things that are the lifeblood of these towns, these towns are going to either die or a company is going to buy them up. Like those are the two options at that point. You know, um, Sundance became technically the first town to defund the police because they were literally out of funds. Um, you know, enough people retired and enough people were, you know, having budget cuts that they just lumped it all together. And so I think that we're going to see that happening more and more. And, you know, our farming communities, I can be a farmer because my spouse works in the schools and has health insurance, you know, or I can be a farmer because my spouse works for the state government and has an office downtown. Um, the way of life that the far right is kind of using as this ethos and as this 
um, kind of model for Wyoming, the small town values that we're always talking about only exists if we have public funding. Um, you know, and, you know, I think it was Nate Martin's fairly recent article that basically pointed out that we've all been welfare queens for our entire lives, that the reason that we have the lifestyles that we are used to is that we have been funded by the oil and gas industry for the past 30, 40, however many years. And so the people that are mad at me because I think that children should have an education are also like, at least should be also mad at themselves because they haven't had to pay a tax for their entire life. Like I, the only time I paid state income taxes when I lived in Massachusetts, mm -hmm. like when I lived in like the liberal, like uh, the, the liberal city on the hill or whatever, that's when I actually had to pay my fair share of what I was using in that town. And I've never had, to, I've never had to do that in Wyoming. And, you know, we have billionaires and millionaires moving here because they don't have to. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and companies being incorporated And here, companies being you know, incorporated and we're like going to become a, a Bitcoin. Cheyenne is state. Delaware, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, um, that, there's like one house in Cheyenne where like a thousand companies are incorporated from. Right, right. And I think, and it's interesting, one of the other, other parts of this is interesting too, because um, I've, you know, talked to some of our electeds uh, 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 who are into um, the cryptocurrency, yeah. uh, the recruitment of cryptocurrency companies and stuff. And I think that the, um, the thinking is, uh, I think along for some folks is that if we attract uh, some tech companies uh, mm -hmm. and if we attract some of the kinds of businesses and entrepreneurial uh, class mm -hmm. that is likely to want to cash in on some of these new technologies and cryptocurrency mm -hmm. and such, uh, that that may change the landscape, the political uh, demographic and the political yeah. landscape and the or the political ideological kind of mm -hmm. spectrum a little bit. And I don't think that's yeah. that's not an unreasonable um, argument to make. I think that it's going to be interesting to see not every because not every business that you can attract here is going to be one that you can use seasonal temporary 1099 independent contractor kind of work to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the moment that you attract a large working base that is not independent contractor based, those politics start going to the left. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it, which is not to say that the contractors are not to the left, but that, it, but the, but that, that life, as you know, and as I know, yeah. is very much designed and implemented in a way that depoliticizes you mm -hmm. uh, and makes you kind of be like, well, I have to grab what I can. I have to grab yeah. the work I can, which is the mm -hmm. way that they've kept the oil industry going without unionization here for mm -hmm. decades, you know, which is to attract these young, you know, these young oil workers, give them a wad of cash. Uh, and then say you're on your own. We'll see you next year. Yeah. Uh, and and that that is that is the preferred way. And that's how ranching employment largely yeah. works as well in mm -hmm. Wyoming. So the two big industries here have largely been sustained with temporary labor. Yeah. Uh, and once you change that, then um, then uh, the politics I think changes. Yeah. Once the laborer yeah. becomes a more permanent. Uh, settlement, uh, then, mm -hmm. then that changes the politics and tends to uh, start to elect more liberal yeah. and even, you know, yeah. and even progressive uh, yeah. uh, uh, leaders. Yeah. And I, I think that tech, I think tech is actually a pretty good answer for us, partly just because one of the things tech needs is a lot of large open cold spaces for servers. 
and uh, we got that aplenty. I think we need to be careful in how we're doing it. Like, for example, I, I definitely support cryptocurrency, but I think the legislation we just passed was not fantastic because it basically, again, opens us, us, to, opens us up to be a pass-through state. Um, you know, the one of the first news articles I, re I read about it, this, um, I forget her name, but she's one of the, she helped kind of write the legislation. Mm -hmm. She's a tech entrepreneur in Cheyenne. And she said something along the lines of like, well, yes, um, you know, we can have, we can have our base in Cheyenne and then our workers can come, come from anywhere in Wyoming. You know, it can, it's, it's uh, remote, so it can be from anywhere in Wyoming. And the first thought I had was that means it can be from anywhere in the world. That means it can be from anywhere in America. That means that there's no, no guarantee that we are employing Wyomingites in this. There's no mm -hmm. guarantee that this money is being made by and spent by Wyomingites in Wyoming's economy. And... Well, I, and I hope that we can, I actually hope that we can have maybe Chris Rothfuss or yeah. someone on the show at some point soon uh, so that we can talk a little bit more yeah. about yeah, so I'm that definitely not because, <laughs> because, because um, I, you know, I think it's a conversation worth, worth having. Oh, yeah. um, I've also had some really good conversations with Jeff Lockwood and Eric Movar, both who independently of each other sort of started envisioning what they thought might look like a Wyoming with 300,000 people in it or 350,000 people in it yeah. and maybe going towards tourism and service mm -hmm. industries and uh, other, you know, types of things like that. Um, and, uh, and I feel like, so, I mean, there's no shortage of good ideas, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, but a lot of those good ideas are ones that would actually turn the state in a direction that mm -hmm. I think, you know, some of the old guard, you know, would not, <laughs> be really fond of yeah. uh, because it would it would definitely be you know I think that a a small Wyoming um, has the potential to be more progressive than the Wyoming uh, as it is now mm -hmm. um, if if particular decisions are made and there is again this intimacy to these decisions um, because uh, you know, our, our leaders are really good at communicating with each other and getting each other sick and dying, uh, as well as, you know, getting as well as dialoguing, you know, with people mm -hmm. for better or worse. Mm -hmm. And so I think that almost anything could go. We've gotten far off track of, <laughs> of the of the original protest, yes, but I think that but that's OK. But I think that I think all of these things contextualize mm -hmm. what happened yesterday, which was 250 people or so. Uh, from this, from around the state, gathered in Cheyenne um, to uh, vilify and kind of, of ritualistically burn um, this sense of public responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so, I think it really does yeah. have to do with the whole. Yeah. You have to, I think, understand the whole history. It's like if you <laughs> liked what happened to Kansas under Brownback at yeah. Al. Uh, you'll love what yeah. <laughs> could potentially happen to Wyoming and Kansas someone, to electric boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you will write uh, our version of what's the matter with Wyoming. Yeah. So many, so much. I mean, well, and it's honestly, it, the number of times I've been told to go back to Colorado or go back to California or go back to insert liberal place here um, is astounding. <laughs> um because, you know, on paper, at least, I am the Wyoming story. You know, I'm fifth generation Wyoming. I, I grew up on a family ranch. Um, my dad told me stories about how to keep myself safe from mountain lions when I was five. And that probably messed me up. 
but you know nice I one, Dad. <laughs> I mean I I haven't had to use it yet so you know there, there's still time for me to find out that was very useful um but you know like my family story is the story my dad's family came here from the east coast and we bought up some land and my great-grandfather gave a parcel of land to each of his sons as they got married and you know we my grandfather's a world war ii veteran who bought our ranch with his earnings from world war ii and you know we've worked for 60 years to keep it sustainable like we are that hard scrabble wyoming story and because i espouse things that are different from what other people espouse they automatically assume i'm not from here they automatically assume that i don't understand what it's like to be a wyomingite or that my my politics mean that i have to move somewhere else and like my response is usually like i was here first <laughs> if only people in your generation were actually coming yeah yeah but, and you, that's... <laughs> but wouldn't you say that m many of your peers yeah that you many of the folks that you went to high school with in cheyenne uh are not here anymore yeah no i i i'm only half joking when i say that i i did the usual thing which is to go to the university of wyoming and then leave and then i did the unusual thing of coming back um I, I mean, we've been talking, and honestly, we've, we've been talking about brain drain since my father was in college. We've been talking about that for decades and then not really done anything to change it. And honestly, right now under our current system, it doesn't necessarily help us to change it because that actually costs us more money. Mm -hmm. um, every family. <laughs> we've been doing brain drain and yesterday was the yeah. result and yesterday was of, the brain result. <laughs> of brain drain. Yesterday and was, was the living manifestation yeah. Yeah. of brain drain in Wyoming, 250 people yeah. in Cheyenne, uh, you know, um, hating on cops and, yeah. <laughs> and burning masks. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. So, I mean, my, most of my generation doesn't live here anymore. Most of my generation um, has moved away um you know all over the country i have friends you know all over right now and part of it is because because it is made hard for us to want to be here it is made hard for us to think that this is a good place to come back and feel safe and feel like you know we can raise our families here and have them not get twisted up by this really weird rhetoric um you know my a lot of my friends are having kids and they're talking about, you know, I don't know if this is a good place to raise them anymore. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I love Wyoming. I love it very, very much. I don't want to have to leave here. But, you know, if there is, God forbid, a Governor Clem or Governor Bouchard someday, like, I don't know that I could stay. I don't know that mm -hmm. this is or, a place that I could feel okay in. Or Governor Hageman. Or Governor Hageman. Yeah, yeah. like, like there are a lot of there are a lot of possibilities here. There are a lot of really really scary scenarios where, and, where it's just, and like you know trying to attract someone. You know I have friends who you know are struggling under gigantic rent payments in other states, and I'm like, Wyoming's cheaper, and like but then it's Wyoming. Yeah, and I say true. Well, no, I mean <laughs> we've got people moving out of our you know of, of our project because they yeah. can't get health insurance yeah. here, yeah. and uh, you know when you talk to elected officials and they say you're right, you should move to Colorado yeah. if you, if, if that's yeah. really a concern. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I think that, um, that the, well, I, 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 I forgot what exactly what I was going to say just now, but, um, but what I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, that I think one of the outcomes here, speaking of public health yeah. and speaking of pe feeling safe, yeah. 
yeah. um, is that, you know, I would just say that the Scott Clem issued a call yesterday mm-hmm. to violate mm-hmm. public health protocols. Yes. Um, yeah, that's a call to spread COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, first of all, I, I, at the, at the risk of stating the obvious, that seems um, morally spurious. <laughs> uh, but yeah. the other, the, for a pastor, the yeah. other, the other part of that is though that we should that that folks should be careful. I mean, we need yeah. to keep being careful. So yes. we're kind of I'm kind of shifting now to <laughs> yes. practical advice about this is that yeah. people are going to openly violate health, public safety protocols in yeah. public mm-hmm. as a result of this. Mm-hmm. People have been already. This yeah. will accelerate that. We are in a relatively good place in terms of potentially uh, eventually kind of pushing back against this and, and getting, you know, being able to be healthy in public again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so for this to happen is just people just need to watch out. And, yeah. you know, unfortunately, now people will not be frequenting businesses and things like that because they are going to want to avoid followers of Scott Clem yeah. who, who's, actualize who you know who are actualizing themselves and actualizing their potential as public citizens and stakeholders uh and and uh advocates of democracy <laughs> by going out and coughing in public basically this is yeah. a big cough in public <laughs> um and so that's go that makes it more dangerous to live yeah. here it yeah, absolutely it makes it more dangerous to occupy public spaces here uh and that sucks but be careful folks mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, I'm still trying to be optimistic uh, yeah. about the direction that we're headed and, uh, and see this as a hiccup. Um, but I think that it suggests something that we should, you know, that should have the practical effect um, yeah. of us not, uh, uh, not getting too uh, careless. Yeah. Um, because there's not just people out there being careless now. There are now people out there um, proactively being not being being careless which yeah. is i think different yeah yeah there, there's some malicious intent happening as opposed to just um not worrying as much but yeah i mean honestly i i mean it's not like i ever really went out much but i'm basically treating it again like it's last march um like it, it was when we first started hearing about this and we were on lockdown and you know all that kind of stuff and i know that that is a privilege i have because i don't work retail i don't you know have a job that puts me public facing um and I just want us to think about the people who do, you know, uh, you know, one of the, one of Scott Clem's things that he said, and one of everyone else's favorite things is like, well, if you, if you, if you don't feel safe and, you know, you just go home or you stay home and that's not an option for most of us. That's not an option for mm-hmm. most of the people who are most at risk by this, you know, like that a waiter simultaneously wants you to come in because they need the money, but they also want you to stay home because they don't want to get sick and they don't have a good way to be able to navigate that. And so you, we have to be doing our parts to make things safer for them. We have to be doing our parts to make things safer for the people who don't have that choice. You know? Well, well I think it's important to point out that when Jesus was healing <laughs> the lepers, yeah. he actually was trying to tell us that we should spread leprosy. 
uh, as much as we possibly could. And I know I'm sure that what he said was, you know, I will heal you, but you need to then immediately go get infected again. I, I'm, I think, you know, I'm an English major, but I'm very bad at close reading sometimes. I probably uh-huh. that part. Yeah, you're missing out on, on, the, <laughs> on Scott Clem's biblical hermeneutics. Uh, and so I'm pretty sure that it was spread leprosy, not cure okay. leprosy was, was, the, was the thing here. Um, hey, uh, it's been great having you on uh, today, uh, Lindsay Hanlon. Uh, and I'm, I'm Matt Stannard, uh, and we will be uh, uh, also uh, sh- uh, putting this out on our Solidarity Wyoming um, podcast. Um, we are at patreon.com slash Solidarity House, uh, but let's, uh, tell, let's hear uh, your sites and things, yes. places you would like people to go uh, to learn more about you and to follow your work and support your work. Sure. Uh, I have a blog at thefeministlipstick.com. And again, that's L-I-P-S-T-I-Q-U-E because I'm, I'm just, I don't like to give myself good names that are easy for people to find. Um, I also TikTok under that same name. So again, The Feminist Lipstick. And I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash thefeministlipstick. So come check me out. Once, uh, you, <laughs> once you get this lipstick thing down yeah. then, then it's really yeah. easy. we will share all of those links all over the place as well really encourage people to um uh to support uh lindsay's work um on uh the patreon uh and what anything exciting coming up uh yeah so uh i am going to start doing a uh a set of uh posts on basically kind of how to start being into makeup if you have not been into makeup before you know if you're hypothetically a woman in her 30s who grew up thinking that makeup was kind of the oppressive gender norm bs and you are starting to slowly embrace um the feminine side as well as the masculine side and if you're kind of starting to figure out how that works for you uh i'll be starting to do a series of videos on that real soon uh, fantastic. Uh, and um, we look forward to having you back um, uh, to, to talk more shit. And, <laughs> um, and also uh, wanted to let people know um, for our part that uh, uh, our interview um, uh, on Marxism and transgender liberation uh, it, with Kelly Potter, uh, who is a philosophy professor, uh, a communist, uh, and um, a, a, a trans activist, um, uh, is uh, going to be uh, dropping this week uh, on our awesome. um, on our both our Patreon and our Podbean, our Spotify, uh, as well as Apple. Uh, so that's going to come out this week. Uh, we have uh, another, uh, and then that will be <laughs> followed by another <laughs> interview with a trans Marxist activist, uh, Dominique. Uh, and uh, so we've got a lot of stuff coming out um, on the, you know, kind of far left of the fringe of what we do uh, over the next week. Um, so we'll be talking about that. Uh, we will have more of these uh, conversations um, and we will continue to follow uh, this, uh, you know, just this very strange uh, convoluted route of Wyoming politics. Um, thanks everybody for watching and listening. Uh, and thanks again, Lindsay. It's, uh, it's been great having you. Thanks for having me.